The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. K-State has won two games in a row for the first time this season and now is chasing a bull bid as the Wildcats close the regular season Saturday at Iowa State. This is the PowerCat pregame podcast. It's time for Kansas State football. So get ready for a Wildcat football preview like no other. It's the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. And it starts right now. And now let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Some games can surprise you by the course they take. Last Saturday's Kansas State versus Texas Tech game at Bill Snyder Family Stadium was certainly one of those. On paper, this was a game the Red Raiders should have won by a couple of touchdowns. What took place on the field was much different. K-State's defense smothered Cliff Kingsbury's potent offense. The 21-6 K-State victory represented the first time since 2006 that a Tech team had not scored a touchdown in a game. Unexpected indeed. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and that victory over Texas Tech put Saturday's game for the Wildcats at Iowa State in a whole new light. Now 5-6 and six overall, K-State can earn its ninth straight bowl bid by beating Iowa State on Saturday night in Ames. There was a time earlier this season when that seemed like a highly unlikely proposition. After all, the Cyclones under coach Matt Campbell owned two wins over top five opponents this season, and up until last Saturday's loss at Texas, Iowa State was in the running for a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Now the Cyclones are merely a 6-4 team looking to close out their Big 12 season with a game against a program that haunts them. Losing to Texas and thus seeing a once unthinkable shot at playing for the Big 12 title next Saturday in Arlington, die with it, surely took some life out of Iowa State. Now the Cyclones will play Kansas State and then close the season with a makeup game with Drake, which fills in for an earlier weather cancellation versus South Dakota State. The best the Cyclones can do this regular season is 8-4, which is a far cry from where they thought they were headed. But if there's one game that can still get Iowa State's attention, it's playing Snyder's Wildcats. K-State is Iowa State's tormentor. It's cursed. It's mountain that cannot be fully scaled. Remember last year's last-second touchdown pass from Skylar Thompson to Isaiah Zuber? to beat the Cyclones, or two years before in Bill Snyder Family Stadium when Paul Rhodes was the coach and his Iowa State team only needed to run out the clock to win, and then Will Geary ripped the ball from running back Mike Warren, and the Wildcats ended up winning that game. In all, it has been 10 straight victories for Kansas State over Iowa State. All but one have been decided by single digits. One can only imagine the frustration felt by all associated with Iowa State football. And now Bill Snyder and the Wildcats are coming to town, needing one more victory to go to a bowl and knowing that no matter what the odds look like before kickoff, in the words of K-State radio football analyst Stan Weber, K-State always beats Iowa State. We will see if that holds true one more time. It's time for our first break on GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast. So let's hear from our friends at Robbins Motor Company, our title sponsor. 
You're listening to the PowerCat pregame podcast. Stay locked in. Your weekly GoPowerCat.com roundtable session featuring former K-State football star Marcus Watts is next. Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat offers a wide selection of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at competitive prices in the Manhattan, Topeka, Emporia, and Junction City, Kansas areas. Be sure to check out Robbins' new vehicle inventory where you will find the most popular models from iconic brands such as Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Or if you're looking to save by purchasing a pre-owned vehicle, Robbins has an updated stock of used cars in excellent condition. No matter what you are looking for, the team at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will help you get behind the wheel of your dream car. And K-State fans, visit the Robbins location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast. The GoPowerCat news team is assembling because it's time for the GoPowerCat.com roundtable session. Kansas State served up a defensive gym and beat Texas Tech 21-6 last Saturday. And now the Wildcats travel to Ames to take on the upstart, I like that word, Iowa State Cyclones in a 6 p.m. contest Saturday at Jack Trice Stadium. And we are here to get you prepared for the game with GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. And now we welcome into the show GPC Assistant Editor D. Scott Fritchin and Staff Writer Riley Gates. That's right, no, Marcus Watts. He will join us later in the show for the breakdown, but we had a little conflict here with this part of the show. So on to the roundtable we go with our roundtable session, and the roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend 4000 or more a year on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now, Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, guys, welcome to the show. Let's just talk about Marcus for about 20 minutes here. Make fun of Marcus, 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 Marcus. Just bail it on the show, yeah. man. Uh, he'll be back for the uh, breakdown because I need his expertise. Uh, That's fair. Because he knows football. I, I know talking. <laughs> it's a nice combination. It is a nice combination. Uh, so, yeah, and he'll sneak in his prediction, too. He'll, he's got to have his opinion about that. Of course. Yep. Uh, let's go back uh, to that Texas Tech game. We all picked Texas Tech. And – I'm still surprised. I still am surprised. Now, people get mad at me when I bring up the weather, but this isn't something I just dreamed up after this game. I've been saying this for years. My only, I'm not a gambler, but my only one gambling thing that I truly believe in is when a warm-weather team comes north and has to play in what they would consider to be really cold weather, they're going to play like crap. And that's been true. For, I've said that for years. I hold to that with basketball. And they don't even play outdoors. If they have to come up and get off a plane and it's 20 degrees, it just affects them mentally. Texas Tech, they tried to tough that one out. They did the anti-Mac Brown. There were no heaters and coats and, and peanut butter sandwiches. There were no heaters. There were no coats, which was 
stupid. I mean, K-State has coach. It, you know, hypothermia is a real thing. It's not a <laughs> mental state of mind. You know, you, you, you got to worry about your guys. All that said, I, I don't think Tech was – it just hurts to hit in the cold. We all know that. I mean, yeah, I've run into things when it's cold. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, any football player will tell you it's just as different to play in the cold. All that said, K-State's defense was fantastic, Fritch. Fantastic. The first time that Texas Tech hasn't scored a touchdown since 06? I mean, that doesn't happen because it's chilly out. That means you did a whale of a job of taking Tech out of things that they wanted to do and confusing an inexperienced quarterback. And all of a sudden, Blake Seiler with Brian Norwood at his side has a pretty darn good defense, which is amazing considering... Most of the injuries on this team have been on that side of the ball. They're running low on players, and they're getting it done. Let's go back to 2003 really quick. That was the last time, that 2003 Big 12 championship game, that was the last time that K-State had gone against a team averaging more than 40 points a game and has held them to single digits. Wow. Uh, amazing. No, I'm amazed how you found that stat. <laughs> <laughs> it's also um, the fewest yards K-State's allowed since 2003 season. I believe it was against Iowa State. Texas Tech had 181 yards against K-State. Let's go back for a moment. The first two drives, Texas Tech totaled 93 yards. The rest of the game, Texas Tech totaled 88 yards. <laughs> How about that for defense? That's amazing. Wow. That's a, that's some old school, dare I say, lynch mob stuff. Yeah, that that's old school K-State defense. How many times would we see, just like Texas Tech, they had four drives that netted negative yards. How many times over the years in the early 2000s and in the, in the 1990s did we see K-State defenses be able to take over a game the opponent really didn't know where to hit them. Each time they get on the field, they're coming back off to the sideline because the Kansas State defense did its job. By the end of the game, Tech's offense was inept. They were confused. They didn't want anything to do with K-State. It, as a Tech fan, you had to be watching that going, what the heck is going on here? They were just done. They were folded up their tents. They wanted to go home. They wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Rally for me, and I'll talk to Marcus about this later in the show, for me – Despite all the things that the defense did, the turning point in the game was really not that big a play on the scoreboard. But when Brock Monty blocked that punt, and it goes through the back of the end zone, and it turns the score to 15-6, to six, nine points, not a huge lead by any stretch of the imagination. In hindsight now, I'm like, that's when the game was over. Tech knew it was in trouble right there, and K-State... The sidelines was like, oh, we made a play in special teams. Here we go. This is old K-State. This is what we do because it's been so bad in special teams. And all of a sudden, it wasn't even a punt block. You know, that's not what was called. Monty made that play on his own. He got around the blocker. It was a rugby-style guy. He got his hand perfectly placed in the, perfectly placed in the launch zone of, of the punt and got his hand on it. And that was it. That was it for me. I, I feel like Tech just folded up right then in case they knew it was going to win. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, that That's one of those plays, like, we've always sat here and said, can K-State get a touchdown non-offensively, you know, whether it's a kick return, a punt return, something like that. And and that's what you needed. You needed something special to happen in that game to really kind of cement that because even though Texas Tech had played really bad up to that point, I think 
I mean, I, at least I was sitting there, and I have a feeling everybody else is sitting there thinking, okay, well, I mean, eventually the Tech offense is going to do what the Tech offense does, and even K-State's lead is going to go away very quickly. Um, but obviously a play like that, that, that dramatically changes things because then Tech doesn't get a chance to get a three and out. and You get two points, and then you get the ball, and suddenly things are just com- completely going your way. So I thought that that was, like you said, a huge turning point. It definitely meant something along the way, and a heck of a play by Brock Monty. I mean, a guy that has been playing special teams for some time now, but really hadn't made plays, really hadn't been in on a lot of things. And, and when it mattered, he came up, he made a big play like that, and and it did give you that feeling that, okay, I think K-State's probably going to win this one. Yeah, uh, it was enormous. And, you know, D. Scott, as I look back at the game, Alex Barnes ran for, you know, 130-something. Off the as a team, they ran for what 150, 160. Not great numbers as a team, good numbers for Barnes, but he had 32 carries. But the nature of the game, and I'm going to stick with this theme, it turned into a Big Ten game. Good defense, low scoring, um, 150 yards on the ground felt like a lot. 130 by one running back felt like domination, and it really wasn't. But Skylar Thompson did just enough throwing the ball, he got it done. Just well enough. In really bad conditions to throw the ball. It was windy. Yeah. Um, I If Skyler and Alex can put that together in the future here in this game, uh, K-State might have something cooking, even at 350 yards of offense, which isn't very good. No, no, not, not at all. But you bring up an excellent point. It's uh, what Kansas State's offense has strived to do, which is to have some degree of balance. And they've – been all over the place all over the board this year they've either been able to pass more times than not though it's been with the run but um what got it for me was um this k-state's first score when skylar thompson found malik Knowles in the red zone for a red zone touchdown fits that was the first red zone touchdown pass k-state had had since against South Dakota in the season opener. So it had been quite a while. But I thought that he was able to get some confidence. Uh, he was scrambling around a little bit out of the, outside the pocket. Um, but he was able to keep his eyes uh, downfield and be able to make some plays. And I, I thought he had a lot of really good assistance from his wide receivers as well. I, I thought Zach Rude really did, made some good plays. Um, you know, Dalton Schoen, Malik Knowles, we, we talk about Malik and he's – He's up and coming. I thought that Skylar Thompson did a good job managing that offense, and Alex Barnes handed off to him and let him make some yards like you know he's going to more times than not. Well, we're going to get to Iowa State here sooner than we usually do in a show, and we're going to pivot back to the red zone in just a second because that is a big theme of this game, just as it was uh, in uh, the Texas Tech game and for K-State all season. But I want to get back to quarterbacks with you, Riley. You know, we come into the season, there's a two-quarterback system, and you're like, well, that doesn't work. It never works, and it wasn't working. It, there was an imbalance there. It wasn't working for either guy. As the season progressed, thank goodness there's been a two-quarterback system because you've only had one healthy at a time lately. Alex Delton has played most of the last two games uh, after Skyler was hurt early in the TCU game. Skyler comes back for the Texas Tech game, and Alex Delton's out with injury. I think Skyler will go in this game, will be the guy. But Skyler looked like Skyler Thompson again. He hasn't thrown the ball particularly well, but all of a sudden he looked like he was in command of the offense. He looked like what you want a quarterback to look like. And I thought it helped the entire team. This is our guy, 
and he's completing enough passes, and Alex Barnes running the, the ball well enough, this will work. You know, these last two games have been very telling to me, um, and it goes back to exactly what we've been saying since the first week. It doesn't matter if it was Alex Delton or if it was Skylar Thompson. All you needed to do was pick your guy and give him that confidence. With Alex Delton now with an injury, Skylar Thompson was able to go out there and play, and he could make a mistake without having to look over his shoulder and wondering, oh, no, am I going to get pulled for Alex Delton here? I think that was true a week ago with Alex against I agree. KU. And that's, that's why I think these two have played some of their best football over the last two weeks. They haven't been looking over their shoulder. They haven't been worrying about making a mistake because it's okay to make a mistake. You can do that, and, and quarterbacks do make mistakes. And So I was really impressed by Skylar's play, both mentally and physically, um, and, and you you know, if, if Alex Delton suits up at Iowa State, maybe he kind of regresses back into that little, uh, you know, kind of scared, nervous to make a mistake. But also, hopefully this game gave him the confidence to go forward and say, hey, I'm the guy. I played well last week. I'm going to keep this up. You know, we saw him hit his stride at the end of last season, and, and we'll see how he, he finished uh, finishes out this regular season. But uh was really impressed by the play of Skylar Thompson. I thought he was a, a huge piece of that win, even though his stat line was – Average, you know, pretty average. I don't care what level of football you're playing at. I don't care in the college level if you're Alabama or Kansas. You have to get good quarterback play, and K-State's gotten pretty solid quarterback play. Not spectacular, but good enough over the last few weeks. Now let's move on to Iowa State, guys. Man, I don't know what to think of the Cyclones, D. Scott. You know, after losing at Texas and they're out of the Big 12 title game contention, they were, you know, right there. They went at Texas, they're probably in. They're now they're six and four, you know. I mean, they're six and four. This is a season everyone in Ames has been thumping their chest over. Guys, you're six and four now. Granted, you have two really nice wins this season over, you know, power teams, ranked teams. But well, you're six and four, and K State's five and six going into this game. I there's a fourteen point spread, thirteen point spread. I don't see it, but. K-State has not performed well in the red zone this year. You pointed out that they hadn't had a red zone touchdown pass since, what, South Dakota? South Dakota, season opener. Yeah, so they went all the way to game 11 with the Malik Knowles touchdown from Skyler. Bad news, K-State. Iowa State doesn't mess around in the red zone. Their defense is, it's the best defense in the Big 12 to start with. You get in the red zone, it's one of the best defenses in the nation. You're absolutely right. I um, asked Bill Snyder about this earlier in the week about Iowa State's red zone defense because he had remarked after the K-State game against Texas Tech how poor K-State's red zone offense has been. He's aware of these numbers. But Iowa State allows a score inside the red zone just 65% of the time. And only one Power 5 team has been better than Iowa State at preventing red zone scores this season, and that's Alabama. Alabama, are they are they good? I have heard that they are decent. K-State, this is something that Coach talked about on Tuesday, is on the other side of the spectrum. K-State's offense is 126th out of 130 FBS teams and averaging red zone scores at a rate of 73.5%. They've scored on 25 at 34 red zone trips inside the opponent's 20-yard line. That, that is not good, and it gets even worse when you talk about red zone touchdowns. K-State is dead last in the country in red zone touchdowns. Now you're going against an Iowa State red zone defense that is one of the top five in, in the entire country, and they've allowed six red zone scores at home all season. 
K-State's going to be up for a challenge. They really are. I, you know, last week's a perfect example of it. Yeah, they did score the touchdown on the pass. They scored 21 points, Riley. It wasn't three touchdowns. It's a safety and four field goals by Blake Lynch. Thank goodness he's healthy again. He was special teams player of the week and deserved it. This is a huge thing. And I don't think kneeling on the ball at the 21 is a good game plan. You know, like your breakaway run, but you're going to get tackled inside the 20, inside the red zone. So just run out of bounds at the 21. I don't advise it. Yeah, I don't think that's good game planning on my part. That's why I'm not a coach, among many other reasons. (laughs) But it really is an issue. Can K-State score short field situations against this Iowa State defense? Welcome to the Big Ten. That's what they do. It's just it's going to be very interesting. It's a fascinating matchup to me. You should be able to score on any defense when you get inside the 20, inside the 10. I mean, as a as a capable Division One football team, I believe you should be able to do that on a very consistent basis, much more consistently than K-State has not been able to do it. But uh, – it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge, no doubt. You know, D laid out the numbers there, but I think this Iowa State team is good. You know, I, I think they might be down a little bit. I think they might be kind of tough to get their spirits up. You know, just given the fact that they're out of the Big Twelve contention now, but they've still got something to play for. You know, I'd much rather finish seven and four than six and five. At this point, you can say pride, but also you got a little bit of extra motivation to play for with just how much you've struggled against K-State with all the history and the way the last three three years or so have gone. So I want to say K-State can score in the red zone against this team inside the 10 or something like that. But, man, I just don't know if you've seen it on a consistent enough basis out of K-State's offense to feel confident when you get in there. Can I add this as well? And this is the regression of K-State's red zone offense to a T, I believe. Last year, K-State quarterbacks had nine touchdowns and one interception inside the red zone. This season, K-State has two touchdowns and two interceptions inside the red zone. Wow. It's awful. Wow. It's, 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 it's epic. It's mind-boggling. Uh, uh, yeah. The, the problems that this offensive has had has just been – I never expected this. They had the tools. Um, they seem to be have the table set for uh, a really good season offensively, and it just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And I don't know if he lay it all at Andre Coleman's feet, but he's got to be accountable. It's his offense, but still I think some other things have just gone wrong with this team. Riley, after the break, I want to pick up where you kind of left off with the fact that Kansas State owns Iowa State. They have so much real estate in Cyclones' brains that, you know, they're just constantly in there all the time, and we're going to get into the reasons why Kansas State frustrates Iowa State fans so much, and it's not just winning and losing, and they do lose a lot to Kansas State. Well, we've got more of the roundtable waiting on the other side of this break, so stick with us on the PowerCat pregame podcast fueled by Robbins Motor Company. All they do is cover Kansas State sports. The experts from GoPowerCat.com will return with more of their roundtable session on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. 
Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now send it back to Fitz and the GPC News Team in the Spirit Street Studios as the GoPowerCat.com Roundtable session continues. We're back and we now continue with our GoPowerCat Roundtable session with GPC Assistant Editor D. Scott Fritchin and staff writer Riley Gates. No Marcus Watts on this part of the show. Uh, we kicked him out. That's not true, but I'm going to spread that rumor. We kicked him out of the show. For Seems it. fair. That's fair enough. He'll be back with us in the breakdown segment. The Roundtable is sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company spend 4000 or more a year on energy bills? You can reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability. Visit bluemark.energy for an energy savings analysis today. And now Blue Mark Energy is the natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy. K-State owned and K-State proud. Okay, Riley, we left off with something here that I think is very valid. It seems like every year, with one exception, recently, K-State and Iowa State is a knockdown, drag out. I'm going to go somewhere I don't like to go. I feel like it's professional wrestling. <laughs> okay? They're going to go stand in center ring and beat the snot out of each other, and they're going to hit each other with a table, or they're going to do something... But at the end of the match, the good guy's going to win. Sorry, I always say you're the bad guy in this. The good guy's going to win. The ref will screw up and miscount or get distracted. And all of a sudden, K-State comes off the top turnbuckle, hits Iowa State right in the head, and Iowa State loses. <laughs> it's got to feel that way to them. I mean, last year is a perfect example. They, they were the better team for that entire game, basically. But they didn't put K-State away, let them have the ball one final time, mostly because of a weird call by a ref. K-State wins. A couple years ago in Manhattan, they just got to run out the clock. K-State steals the ball. K-State wins. I mean, it's it's fascinating. Just if you go through the history of K-State and Iowa State, specifically the last 10 years, K-State's won the last 10 meetings by an average of 7.5. And, and if you take out that 34-point win in the 2013 season, it's 3.7 points a game. That's how much K-State's won by an average. So these literally are... How many in a row now? Ten. They're 10-0 and 0 in the last ten meetings. So That's crazy. There you have that. That's K-State's obviously the most dominant team in the series recently. But to me, it's, it's more about just how 
how crazy it is, how back and forth it is, you know, 2015, Iowa State can literally run the clock out or, you know, down to about eight seconds. Well, poor coaching, poor ball handling skills, things like that, result in K-State coming away with a win. And Will Geary being a badass. He, yes, he ripped a guy's arm out of his socket <laughs> to get the ball. That's just not right, Will. Apologize. <laughs> the guy's never been the same since. 2016, K-State builds a huge lead. And then in the second half, Iowa State rallies back. And, you know, if, it has, if they get a lucky bounce on the onside kick, who knows what happens. And then obviously last year, um, we know how, how Skylar Thompson manufactured that game-winning drive with, you know, you know, not much time left on the clock. So it's it's just a fascinating series to me. It's it's something that is so hotly contested. And, you know, the, these are two fan bases, two programs that are very similar in a lot of aspects. But when they get together, man, it's like K-State and KU in basketball. They just don't like each other, and they want to beat each other so bad. I'm very excited to see how this weekend plays out and, you know, just how intense this battle really is. You know, that's a funny comparison you make because if you talk about KU, K-State basketball, man, K-State fans hate KU. And I kind of feel like KU is like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're going to win. Whatever. You know, that's the way this series is. Iowa State fans now are obsessed with Kansas State because they think Bill Snyder's cheating. They just can't figure out how yeah. this is happening, uh, that Bill Snyder always beats her coach no matter who it is, uh, and they're really frustrated in case it's like, yeah, we win. Who cares? You know? <laughs> D. Scott, I think Saturday's going to be different. I'm not saying in case it's going to lose. I just feel like something's different about this. One, I think Matt Campbell is the real stinking deal. I think this guy's a great coach. He's got so many Snyder-esque qualities about him, even though he's not off the coaching tree. Uh, I think he's got this program going in the right direction. And, yeah, they're only 6-4. and four, But I just feel like Iowa State is the better team at home, late in the season, with a point to prove. This seems like it's in Iowa State's favor. Yes, I, I think the intangibles are in Iowa State's favor. And I also think that he has – Matt Campbell has Iowa State playing – at a level that a young Bill Snyder did at K-State where they were they were able to kind of overachieve and play up to the level of higher opponents and beat the guys that they were supposed to take care of, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I see that in Matt Campbell's teams. And just as K-State was able to finally get even with, uh, with a Colorado and then a Nebraska in the 1990s, um, I see Iowa State kind of – getting steadily and steadily better and being able to to beat those those better teams in the conference and we've already seen evidence of that and um them being able to beat top five ap opponents so um i think that matt campbell has this program going on its way up trending up i like the way that he talks about the crowd and the passionate fans and telling them the to stay the course with his Iowa State program. I think it ha he has it going in the right direction. And uh, I think there are more intangibles for Iowa State in this game than there are for K-State on the road, obviously. Riley, when we get to the question of the week, it's going to deal with the Big 12. But um, I feel like the Big 12 as a whole needs Matt Campbell to stay at Iowa State. They need that program stabilized. And I, I fear they'll be like change at Ohio State and they'll come after him because he's an Ohio native. Um, uh, you know, I don't know why. I just kind of want Iowa State to be better. I don't want KU to be good. Don't get me wrong. But Iowa State, I feel like their fans are so good. They show up win or lose. Third biggest stadium in the Big 12. They deserve this. I hope he sticks around. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, 
credit to Tom Herman and Lincoln Riley for doing what they're paid to do. Dana Holgerson doing what they're paid to do, you know, win football games. But also at the same time, you don't like it when every single year it's West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas. You want some a little bit of parity. You want some excitement in your league. And, you know, I've, I was pretty openly uh, pro Iowa State the last few weeks on Twitter. I, I really wanted them to be in the Big 12 championship. I think it would have been really cool to see Iowa State play for a Big 12 title. Obviously, they're not going to get that opportunity, but I think that Matt Campbell, like you said, is the real deal. Uh, I think he can have them in that spot, in that contention for that conference year in and year out, honestly. I think he's a really good recruiter. I think he gets it. He knows what it's all about today, and he's going to have that program on a consistent level. It's just, like you said, it's going to take keeping him there. There's going to be opportunities come open, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's you know anybody else. Yeah, SEC teams are firing coaches every year, it seems like, and uh, one of these days you got to imagine someone's going to come try to pick him off. But you know, is that going to be this year? Is it going to be next year? Is it going to be ever? Who knows? I find this game very interesting. And D Scott, let's finish up football here before we turn some of our attention to hoops uh, with this. K State has made it to five and six. K State can win this game to get to six and six and earn a bowl bid. It'd be incredible. It really would. And this season, that's frankly been a complete disappointment to everyone to end up in a bowl game, whether it's back in Phoenix at the now Cheez-It Bowl. Let's see. That used to be the Copper Bowl way back when. And then they moved it to Phoenix, and it became the Insight Bowl. And then it was a Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. And last year it was a Cactus Bowl. And now it's a Cheez-It Bowl. If K-State goes to that stinking bowl game, it'll be the fifth different name it's been in. Can we stop going to this game? Can the Big 12 get rid of this game? Please, can we move on? But anyhow, it'd be remarkable to be in any bowl this season, even if it's a Fort Worth Armed Forces Bowl before Christmas. Still amazing. This has been an iffy on and off K-State team throughout the season. But you go back to 2015, and, and that that team was at 3-6. and six. It lost its first six Big 12 games um, and was able to come back. That team was able to fend off elimination from uh, a postseason berth three straight times, was able to finish out the season strong. This team has now won two straight games. Let's see what they're able to do against Iowa State. If they are able to get a win, uh, it'll just be another feather in the cap of Bill Snyder and this Wildcats program. Yeah, really cool. It would be pretty amazing. Okay, we got to talk about basketball because fans are fired up for basketball, and I get it, Riley. You're a basketball beat writer. K-State is ranked 12th in the nation. People expect them to be a Sweet 16 team again this year. Some people think it's a Final Four team. That might be a little optimistic by me, uh, but the first two games of the season, their home games, that did not look like a top 25 team. They looked like they're going through the motions in one single-digit games, yada, yada, yada. They go to the Virgin Islands. They play in the Paradise Jam. Sounds better than what it was. <laughs> so it shouldn't rain indoors on a basketball court. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out just there. Just a, a good and, thought. And he should be on a TV channel that people can not pay an arm and a leg to watch. Anyhow. K-State goes down there. They win three games. They look good against Eastern Kentucky, so-so against Penn, and then they dominated Missouri, a watered-down Missouri team because they've lost their star player for the season. But they still dominated the Tigers in the championship game, and they needed that. I don't care if it was a watered-down field. I don't. They just needed to win an early-season tournament to kind of lift their spirits as a program. Yeah, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about that uh, K-State has not 
won a tournament championship under Bruce Weber until this one. You know, they've come close. They've had multiple trips to a to a tournament championship game, but they just hadn't got it done. Finally, they get it done. Now, if you want to sit here and and clamor about the the difficulty of this tournament and claim that there's a bunch of really good teams, I'm sorry. You can probably make a decent argument, but it's not very good. Yes, Penn was in the NCAA tournament last year, but somebody has to win the Ivy League, okay? Somebody has to come out of that. And so That's decided, by the way, by an algebra test, not basketball. Oh, really? Yeah, that's okay. how they did it. Yeah. Kansas State played really well, and I think that had they played better teams, they still might have won those games. You know, Outside of the first half against Penn, I thought Kansas State played some pretty good basketball all around. Um, and then specifically that Missouri game, man, they were just on. They were clicking on, on all cylinders. They were hitting shots from the outside. They were hitting mid-range shots, everything. So a really good tournament, not great competition, but it gives you that it gives you that confidence. It gives you the ability to know that you're a pretty good team. And now you're going into you know these next few games here, and then you're going to go to Marquette pretty soon. And that's going to be a tough test, but you've now played a good team in Missouri. You know, even without Jonte Porter, it's still a pretty good team, I think. And and you've won handily, so you have that, like I said, that confidence. You're going to play a good Vanderbilt team here in a few weeks. So I think K-State needed, like you said, they needed that win. They needed to get that trophy and bring it back and get that confidence. Um, and we'll see what they do the re- with the rest of the non-conference schedule. But I'm pretty interested to see how they handle those teams, Marquette, Vanderbilt, see if they can go on the road to Tulsa, things like that. D. Scott, K-State goes down there, kind of searching for their new identity. They've got a 10-man rotation, which is hard to work out. In that first game against Eastern Kentucky, it was Xavier Sneed and Cardi Jadu step forward, Kamau Stokes in the second game. But back to basics, back to the known in that finals against Missouri. And, you know, Missouri's got, despite that injury, they got know, some good players. major conference talent. They offered better matchups, but there was Barry Brown and Dean Wade. And Dean Wade was the MVP of the tournament, and he was spectacular. Scoring 21 points on 10 shots from the field is not easy, and he ended up with a really, really amazing stat line. I mean, he rebounded, he had assists, he didn't turn it over, he shot four or six from three. That's the guy. Right? That's the guy K-State oh, yeah. needs yeah. if they want to have a huge season. Absolutely. Um, you know, big games, big big people step up. Dean Wade, 21 points, five rebounds, four assists, eight to ten from the floor, four or six on three-pointers. Uh, Fitz, he could do it all. And then Barry Brown, of course, 19 points, six assists, six rebounds, seven to 13 from the floor, had a three-pointer as well. Um, what a dynamic duo those those two are. And let's all, let's also back up when you talk about Dean Wade and the four or six on three pointers. K State entering the game against Missouri was eleven to fifty seven on three pointers. They were hitting nineteen percent. So for Dean Wade to kind of spearhead K State's three point efforts against Missouri was huge. They ended up twelve of twenty four on three-pointers after hitting only 11 three-pointers the entire season. Amazing. It was really impressive. They look good. They look good. They look pretty good against Eastern Kentucky, a lesser opponent, uh, but one that was interesting because they like to score a lot of points and rebound in case they took them out of both things. But Missouri, they that's what you want to see. Take a major conference team and – just control them, and that's what Kansas State ended up doing. That's really good news for the Wildcats. Uh, they return home. They play Saturday against Lehigh, 3.30 game. We will have coverage of that at GoPyrocat.com. These two guys will be in 
Ames, along with Zach Carlson with our video department. So they'll have football. Michael Goins and I will have basketball as we cover it all at GoParacat.com. And now let's move into our Wabash Station question of the week. And uh, since we don't have Marcus, you get this, Riley. And I think we've proven who needs Marcus. You know, I don't think that I need Marcus to do what I do. That's true. Let's we'll just now re- refer to him as Marcus. Who? Marcus who? I like it. Okay, here's our question from Go Powercats Wabash Station. The dot two ask you this: How bad slash weak is the Big Twelve in football? You know, it's kind of a, a funny question because you look at a team like Oklahoma and. You think they could contend for a college football playoff spot. But also, Oklahoma has an awful defense. I mean, Kansas hung over 40 points on that defense. And so, they just couldn't stop Kansas. Exactly. So they've been, they've been a, a very good offensive team, haven't been that good at defense. West Virginia seems like a great all-around team, but then they go and lose to Oklahoma State, who lost to Kansas State, who lost to Baylor. And, you know, it's just there's, there's so many you – know, I hate to do that whole transitive property thing, but – there's so many inconsistencies in this conference um, that we kind of fault them for this conference for basketball. And, you know, you kind of beat up on each other in basketball. Well, in football, they're doing the same thing, except it's not so much a, a team jumping up and, pl- and playing a really great game. This is more the top teams being inconsistent. And I think that that's really frustrating because I think you had two or three teams that could have contended for a spot in the college football playoff this year. And honestly, I don't think the Big 12 is going to have any in there. I don't think anyone's going to make the playoff. And and that's kind of the way it seems to go for this conference. They don't deserve it. They no. absolutely don't deserve it. And no matter what happened slash happens on Friday in the conference, depending on when people are listening to this, I still will think Oklahoma's the best team in the Big 12. And, and you know, there's a very possible scenario where they don't make the championship game if they lose at West Virginia and Texas actually beats Kansas and Lawrence, something they haven't done in at least four years. <laughs> Just had to bring that back up. Uh, so I, I still will think Oklahoma is the best team. They deserve to be in the New Year Six, but nowhere near that playoff unless a lot of weird things happen. Now let's turn it over to D. Staff Richen for our number of the week. And I really don't have a number. I'm just not – I. I think my number would be whatever the wind chill was on Saturday. And let's point out that we were in the press box. It looked miserable out there. Yeah. I applaud anyone who sat in the stands throughout that Texas Tech game and made it, especially if you're in the south end zone with the wind in your face. Kudos. I'm way too soft for that. I I got uncomfortable. I got a chill in the press box, and that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> when the players went around the stadium to slap hands with the fans after the game, I checked, and there was a 17-degree wind chill at that point. And it felt worse than that. It, honestly, it felt it, awful. I mean, that north wind was almost moist, and it just kind of stuck to you. It was horrible. It's yeah. horrible. Good job, fans. There weren't a ton of people there, but uh, you know what? This is a weird season. You started off with a – game that was so unbelievably hot that you didn't expect it and this one you go to and it's in the 30s and you don't expect it to be that miserable and it was it's been a weird year i hope you got a weird number of the week i do uh 2005 that's the last time bill snyder had a five win season and the wildcats suffered a devastating november loss in ames in 2005 bill snyder retired shortly after since then snyder hasn't lost to names and he's won more than five games every season. 
Hmm, could that mean what he's kind of alluding to there, Riley? Not sure. Hmm, well, we will see how this game comes out. It's K-State and Iowa State, 6 p.m. Saturday at Jack Trice, up in Ames. Not supposed to be as cold as we feared. I kind of thought, you know, it'd be like playing in the Arctic. Yeah, let's give it time. Let's see yeah, how it goes out. Always, yeah, we'll it'll be dark. This. It'll be cold. Yeah, that's, it's Ames. It could have a blizzard at any moment. And, and we're talking June. They could do that. <laughs> That's it for our round table, and we'll head into another timeout on the Powercat pregame podcast brought to you by Robbins Motor Company. The breakdown of the game arrives right after this pause on the Powercat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. My name is Tim Fitzgerald, and I have stage 3 prostate cancer. So men, take 30 seconds and listen to my message. The day I learned my PSA score was too high, I didn't even know what a prostate-specific antigen score was. Learning my PSA at age 53 probably saved my life. If you're a man over 40, go to your doctor and score your PSA. A simple blood test could save your life too. PSA, know your score. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Auto-correct your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. The PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company continues. Now we send you back to Fitz. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. It's now time for your update on Kansas State football recruiting. When Arlington, Texas cornerback William Jones decommitted from TCU on October 15th, Kansas State wasted no time letting the 2019 defensive back know that they still had an opening for his talents. Fast forward to four weeks and it appears Jones may be trending towards a flip from one Big 12 purple to another. After the cornerback and his parents made an official visit to Manhattan for last Saturday's Texas Tech game. A future business major, the 5'9 defender said he'd give his visit to Kansas State a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, despite the bone-chilling cold weather. And of course, subscribers at GoPowerCat get up to the minute coverage of football and basketball recruiting from our staff, as well as the highly respected recruiting analysts on the 24-7 Sports Network. And now it's time to break down the game between the Wildcats and Cyclones. Joining you once again, it's Stove Powercat football analyst, Marcus Watts. Kansas State and Iowa State kick at 6 p.m. at Jack Trice Stadium in Ames. The game will be televised 
on FS1. And now it's time for our breakdown session as the Cats and Cyclones meet in the Wildcats regular season finale. And of course, to help me out with this breakdown of the game is Go Powercat football analyst and former K-State safety Marcus Watts. Marcus, this is an intriguing game for a number of reasons. One, of course, K-State's trying to get to bowl eligibility, which is an amazing feat. Once again, this team continues to get better in the last half of the season, um, as we've noted. And um, Iowa State had a chance to be in firm control of playing in the Big 12 championship and then lost and really kind of got pushed around at Texas. So that is off the table for the Cyclones. And as much progress as the Cyclones have seemed to have made this year, they're 6-4 and four heading into this game. Um, they have pr- probably the uh, extra game next week, so they'll get to seven wins. But this, you know, K-State could end up at 6-6, six and six, and Iowa State could end up at 7-5, and five, and woo, big season for the Cyclones. But let's start with this. How remarkable is it that K-State has put themselves in this position once again, to be playing for bowl eligibility in a season that just hasn't gone the way they expected. Yeah, their schedule helped with that a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think if the game last week was played at Texas Tech, it might be a little bit different. Uh, That cold weather really affected Texas Tech. And you could tell. Now, that's not trying to knock the defense at all. The defense played tremendous. They've played tremendous pretty much all year except for two games, I think. Um, And they've gotten better, and Blake Siler's done – an amazing job with how many injuries and how many different plug and plays he's put into that defense and gotten it to work. Um, and so it is amazing, but, uh, Hey, if they can pull it off and get to six wins after how the beginning of the season went, I mean, you can look at it like a successful season. Uh, The defense is just stunning. What they did last week, the cold was a factor, yes. But still, holding Texas Tech without a touchdown, the first time that's happened to the Red Raiders since 2006. Ron Prince's first year was the last time Tech went without a touchdown in a game, and that was at Colorado. It's amazing what Blake Sadler's defense did, even if they were on a backup quarterback, even if it was cold. Put it all aside. All of a sudden, this K-State defense is doing things that can keep them in any game against like talent. Oklahoma, too much talent, too much speed. You know, Mississippi State had too much self-awareness and too much speed. West Virginia, to some degree, they hung around Texas, and I expect them to hang around with Iowa State. Um, And that really changes the whole context of this game. This isn't a game where you go, well, K-State's a 14-point underdog, which they are. You look at this game like, you know what? If K-State's defense, like it has done against TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and now Texas Tech, turns this into a Big Ten-style game in which the scoring is lowered, giving your, honestly, your mediocre offense, plenty of opportunities to score, even if they can't. If K-State can do that to Iowa State, keep the scoring down, they could win this game. They could just follow that formula and do it again. Yeah, this is going to be a Big Ten 
style of game. These are the, probably the most Big Ten-ish teams in the Big 12. Um, I don't know if that's to do with location, you know, but they just don't sling it around. You know, they want to control the clock, control the game. They want to establish the run game. And once they do that, usually it opens up other things within their offenses. Um, they both run the quarterback run game very well. K-State, you know, with whoever's going to go, Skylar Thompson, I don't know if he's going to go, or Alex Delton, um, Brock Purdy at Iowa State's a, a, a very established um, running quarterback. Um, and so it's going to turn into one of those games. It's going to be a night game. Uh, the weather is supposed to be a little bit warmer but than it has been the last couple weeks, but it's still a night game in Iowa. It's probably going to be cold. Um, so it's going to be a, a knockout, dragout fight type of a game, and it's going to be whichever team makes the least amount of mistakes, which K-State has not done a good job of this year except for last weekend where they forced the other team to make a bunch of mistakes and didn't make any mistakes themselves. So if they can get Iowa State to make mistakes, to turn the ball over, to maybe have some special team laps, and K-State special teams comes to life like it did against uh, the Red Raiders, then K-State's going to have a chance to win this game. Jack Trice Stadium, Iowa State, is the toughest place to play in the Big 12. Yes, K-State's a tough place to play also, but up in Iowa State, that is the hardest place to play in the Big 12. Maybe other than Norman? I don't think Norman's okay. a hard place to play. I, I, I would mean, agree with that. The, the team's good. The team's good, but the atmosphere and everything like that, it, it's gotcha. not – it doesn't – now – the hardest place to play in the previous Big 12 was Texas A&M because you couldn't hear from two feet away the person next to you, especially if you're on offense. But I don't know what it is up there. They used to have grass. I don't think they have grass anymore. I think they have turf now. And they, you know, grass was always a little bit longer. You always felt slower. It's always chilly and cold. Um, and it's just, you know, they've added on to the stadium, I think, since I played there. So it never really felt like they were on top of you and stuff. But, you know, now that they've added on, it's 61,000, I think, it seats. So, And their fans are great, just like K-State fans are. But it's it's probably the hardest place to play in the Big 12. You're right. It is a weird place to play. And they have incredible fans. I mean, they're having a good season this year and they're showing up. But when they're three wins in at the end of the year, they're showing up 50, 60,000 strong. I mean, it's the third biggest stadium in the Big 12 between, behind Texas and, and uh, Oklahoma, of course. David Montgomery, he might be fifth in this conference uh, in – yardage per game but in some ways i think he's the most important running back yes including alex barnes to any team in this conference he so sets up what they want to do with their quarterback and purdy um that it it's essential that he's on the field and he wasn't on the field for the first half against texas because of suspension by the big 12 and all of a sudden they didn't do a darn thing they looked better in the second half but the hole was dug Containing him, stopping the run, always key number one for Kansas State. Look, they did it with Justice Hill. They won. They did it with Puka Williams. They won. They've got to bottle up David Montgomery. Yeah, that's the first thing K-State's going to concentrate in this game is the run game. This is going to be one of those games where you see eight to nine defenders in the box on both sides, Iowa State and K-State, because – you stop the run and make the other team one-dimensional throwing the ball, which K-State hasn't proven that they can do at all this year. Iowa State maybe more 
Um, then K-State has Purdy's thrown, I think, for 13 touchdowns, and he's only started in like five or six games this year. So um, he's done he's done a nice job distributing the ball. But you could see at, at Texas and Iowa State what happened in the first half with Iowa State. They just weren't doing anything on offense, weren't moving the ball. Um, but then once Dave Montgomery came in, um, you know, he was suspended for fighting uh, the week before, which is really out of character for him as a player and a person. I mean, he's played one one and a half less games than every player for K-State since he didn't play that half. And then they had this the game that got canceled earlier this year. And, you know, they're making it up at the end of the year. But so it's it's one of those things where if David Montgomery has a good game over 100 yards rushing, 150 yards rushing, it's going to cause a lot of problems for the K-State defense. But they've been a good job at taking away team strengths in the last couple of weeks. One more question about K-State's defense against this Iowa State offense. Last week, we expected Blake Sadler to keep it kind of simple and just try to bottle up uh, Jet Duffy, the quarterback for Texas Tech, because he is so athletic. They didn't. They threw a bunch of stuff at Jet Duffy and confused him and still remarkably did a good job of keeping him contained, even though they were stunting and blitzing and throwing stuff at him. He didn't find room to operate. With a true freshman quarterback, as good as Brock Purdy has been for Iowa State, do you expect them to come back with just more of stuff? Here's a bunch of things you have to identify this early in your career uh, to beat us. I think if it's a passing, a known passing down third and long, yes, you can do some of that stuff. But if you start doing that on you know first down or second down when it's second and five, or, then you create lanes for the running game. Um, even third and short, you create lanes for the running game. You didn't really have to worry about that with Texas Tech. You know that they're not going to – even though they have been more open to you know 50-50 running the ball, passing the ball, they didn't do a lot of it against K-State. Um, and, and when they did, K-State bottled it up. But So I think against passing downs, yes, you may throw a little bit more exotic looks at Brock Purdy, put, try to put some pressure. I'm trying to make him into some early um, mistakes in the game, trying to you know get him flushed out of the pocket. But you have to be careful because I think he is a better runner than Jed Duffy was for um, Texas Tech. Okay, Iowa State's defense. We talk about the offense. They've certainly got some personalities that jump out at you, some guys that can really play, and, and Purdy is, you know, obviously a good talking point. It's a defense for this team. That's really the key for Iowa State. They're playing some of the best defense in the country. As D. Scott Fritchin pointed out, they are second in the nation in red zone defense behind a program called Alabama. And this year in the Big 12, in total defense, they are currently second because they're .2 yards per game behind TCU, which always plays great defense. In scoring defense, they are number one by far over West Virginia. K-State, by the way, is third. Uh, and K-State, on average, is giving up three more points a game than Iowa State. They're holding opponents to three touchdowns, essentially. Oh, and by the way, they're number one in rush defense. So taking away Alex Barnes won't be something probably they have to commit a bunch of resources to do. They're just good at it. This means to me that the quarterback, whether it's Skylar Thompson or Alex Delton, we probably expect Skylar to be out there, is going to have to go to the air and be effective in this game. Saw some signs of that, possibly against Tech in bad conditions. But is K-State's offense good enough to overcome the best defense in my book in the Big 12? If K-State doesn't establish the run game and doesn't have a successful right. day running the ball, I don't think the offense will be able to score enough points to win this game. I, I think it's going to be a close game, but I think it's going to be like the first one to 20 is going to win this game. And I just don't know if – yeah, they did it against Texas Tech, but that's not really saying much against a Texas Tech whose defense has always been suspect. Uh, I just don't know if they can. Now, 
could they come out and score 40? I mean, who knows, I guess. But they haven't proven it at all this year that they can, you know, put a lot of points on the board. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be one of those games where it's 24-20. You know, right. it's, it's going to be one of those close games. The first person who gets 20 is probably going to win it. So can this offense find something in the passing game or, you know, have a big day of total yardage? Yeah, can't they can, but I, they haven't shown it yet this year. Well, they're going to have to get help. From the defense, maybe scoring some points, and certainly from special teams. And that has been a problem. But I think that the most crucial play in last Saturday's game, and even though it only put K-State up by nine, it only scored two points, is when Brock Monty came through, and it wasn't on a block punt attempt. I mean, he just played it perfectly, got a hand up, blocked a punt on Tech, it went through the back of the end zone, two points. That changed the entire emotion of the game. Tech knew it was in trouble, and it's like a giant, burden had been lifted off of K-State's shoulders. We made a special teams play. And I thought the game was, in hindsight, over right then at that point. Even though it was nine minutes to go in the third quarter, only nine points, it just felt like now, looking back, it was done. That's how important special teams is to K-State. Yeah, special teams is a very emotional outcome. Right. If you score a punt return for a touchdown or a kick return for a touchdown or you have a block punt or you have one done on you, one of those, you know, three things, um it takes a lot out of you emotionally. Um defense and offense there's always a chance for somebody in score. You think in special teams that's not going to happen. You're just going to punt and get down there and tackle. Defense is ready to go. Well, if you have a block punt, then you know it's change that quick change of possession, you know, or turnover whatever, then it, the offense got to go back out there, defense got to go back out there. So it's a very emotional thing. Even the crowd gets a little bit more riled up when you have a long punt return, kick return or a block punt. And so it can flip a game in a heartbeat. And that's why K-State's been so successful and you know a lot of it yeah they play great offense and have played great defense but the special teams has been the key to coach Schneider's success over his 20 some years of of coaching here Thank you, Marcus. And for the second week in a row, Coach Bill Snyder refused to give the media access to players at Tuesday's weekly press conference. And with the team, the basketball team in the Virgin Islands, this week we don't have an interview segment again. That's okay. Marcus and I just talked a lot. So we'll be right back on the other side of this break as we continue our preview of Kansas State's football game at Iowa State against the Cyclones. What are the keys to a Wildcat victory? And what are our experts' predictions? It's next on the Powercat pregame podcast, presented by Robbins Motor Company. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and service provider, offering a wide range of energy solutions to feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark is now the gas provider for the Kansas State University campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Visit bluemark.energy and begin saving up to 25% on the same product you're already purchasing. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. 
For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. It's a K-State sports tradition. It's Fitz's Five Keys to Victory on the PowerCat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. Kansas State is 3-5 and five in Big 12 play and 5-6 and six overall on the season as the Cats roar into Ames, Iowa to face the 6-4 and four Iowa State Cyclones in their hunt for a 6-6 six and six record that would earn them a trip to a bowl game. K-State and Iowa State kick at 6 p.m. Saturday at Jack Dry Stadium. The game will be televised on FS1. I'm Go Cat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and now it's time for my keys to the game. Our keys of the game are sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill in Aggieville. Great food, friendly service, and the best place to watch sports in Manhattan. Can't be found at Tanner's. You've got time for one final final at Tanner's. Tanner's located at the corner of 12th and Morrow in the historic Aggieville Business District. Key number one, be stout. We start our keys with the defensive side of the football because if Kansas State wants to win at Iowa State, then the defense will need to offer another sterling effort to suppress the offensive weapons belonging to the Cyclones. K-State's defense, with a couple of notable exceptions, has been really good in conference play, and that needs to continue. If the Cyclones can get the score into the 20s, then there's a good chance that K-State's struggling offense will not be able to score enough to win the game. So attack when necessary and change looks to confuse freshman quarterback Brock Purdy. Basically, follow much of the same plan that stifled Texas Tech. Key number two, stay clean, get greedy. Winning the turnover battle is always important, but in a game such as this one, which may well be dominated by defense and scarce on points, protecting the ball while taking it away from Iowa State is probably a very good idea for the Wildcats. Throw in limiting penalties and suddenly the Cats' chances of a victory rise dramatically. Key number three, mix it up. This is when we'd normally tell K-State's offense to establish a run and be physical, but the Wildcats are going against the Big 12's top run defense. Taking away the run is the Cyclones' specialty, which doesn't mean K-State should surrender without trying. No, the Cats need to find a good balance between running and throwing that will keep the Iowa State defense on its heels instead of in attack mode. If quarterback Skylar Thompson and running back Alex Barnes can find their groove, then the Kansas State offense stands a chance to score enough points to win. Key number four, red zone magic. K-State's offense stinks in the red zone. Iowa State's defense is one of the best inside the 20-yard line. The numbers throughout the season do not bode well for the Wildcats' offense, but when they get the ball close to the end zone, they need to score touchdowns, not settle for field goals. It may take some play-calling creativity, but find something that works. And key number five, 
keep mending special teams. K-State finally made a big play in special teams last week without making errors. And that blocked punt for a safety was a big reason why the Wildcats beat Texas Tech. Being better in special teams is an ongoing concern for this team, and it must be mistake-free and solid in special teams again in this game. We will see if last week was a change in fortune or simply an aberration. That completes our keys of the game, and now let's turn our attention to our staff predictions and bring back in D. Scott Fritch and Riley Gates and Marcus Watts. K-State is 5-6 and six as it prepares for a 6 p.m. game Saturday at Iowa State versus the Cyclones. It's the regular season finale for the Cats, who are trying to reach the six-win plateau required for a bowl bid. It's time for our predictions, and as always, we will start with our assistant editor and football beat writer, D. Scott Fritchin. Well, unfortunately, Fitz, I got Iowa State winning this one 20-13. The Cyclones have held four different Big 12 opponents to 14 or fewer points this season. Nobody in the Big 12 is stingier in giving up points. K-State has its worst scoring offense since 1992, and I don't think they'll reach the end zone too many times in Ames. Riley Gates? I got Iowa State winning this one 27-20. You know, I want to say that K-State... I think they have the, the emotional advantage here coming in needing a, a win to get to a bowl game, and Iowa State doesn't have a whole lot to play for right now. Um, but also, I, I just don't know if the K-State has the horses to really make the plays uh, and, and get ahead of them enough. I think Iowa State will, will find a way to, to pull it out in the fourth quarter, and, and unfortunately, K-State will miss a bowl game. And Marcus Watts. I got Iowa State winning this one in a close battle, uh, 24-20. I think it's going to come down to a few things. I think it's going to come down to can K-State's offense score enough points to win the game, and does the defense continue its dominance? Now, I think the defense will have some success against Iowa State. I just don't think K-State's offense can score enough in a away game uh, to get it done. Well, guys, you know what? Last week we all picked Tech. We all thought Tech would win, and we were all wrong. Well, maybe we're all going to be wrong this week because I, too, am going with Iowa State. This game feels like it's going to be a real low-scoring, defensive, grinded-out kind of game. Both teams are better at defense than offense. I think we're going to devolve into some boring Big Ten football again. Uh, But I've got Iowa State winning this game 17-13. And maybe, just maybe, it'll be 17-13 in the fourth quarter and then Casey to go down and score a touchdown in the final seconds and, and do it again to Iowa State. Maybe. In the red zone. In the red zone. That'd be the greatest of ironies if that happened. Well, that's it for our prediction segment. And right after this network break, I'll complete this preview of K-State's game with the Iowa State Cyclones with my final take. I am Tim Fitzgerald, and you are listening to the Powercat pregame podcast sponsored by the great people at Robbins Motor Company. He's been covering K-State sports for more than 30 years. The PowerCat pregame podcast continues with Fitz's final take. The dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Fiat are here to help you throughout the entire car buying process. The Robbins vehicle sales team will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget, while the experts at the Robbins Automotive Financing Department will help you understand all of your auto loan and car lease options. If you have any questions about the cars, trucks, or SUVs in their vehicle inventory, 
give Robbins a call at its location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan. And at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat, you can get your vehicle serviced at their state-of-the-art automotive center. Bring your vehicle in for a quick oil change and inspection or make an appointment for advanced engine repair or bodywork. It's the Robbins Motor Company, proud winners of the 2018 Customer First Award for Excellence and title sponsor of the Powercat pregame podcast. The Powercat pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company is back with Fitz's final take. If what many Kansas State donors are being told is true, then if the Wildcats lose to Iowa State, an announcement of Bill Snyder's retirement will soon follow. When exactly that is may be up to Coach Snyder, and based on his history, unless prodded, there may be a delay in that announcement. A win, however, changes a lot. First, it may change minds, opening the door for Snyder's return for a 28th season, and it may also prompt decisions from some notable players that they will be departing Kansas State. Let's just say all is not well in the Kansas State locker room. And even if Snyder does decide to retire, but to do so after the bowl game, then that will delay the hiring of a new coaching staff and stalemate the program's much-needed recruiting efforts. With or without Snyder in 2019, the Kansas State football program's recruiting push needs to finish with a flurry in order to rescue the roster from damaging depletion both in numbers and talent. This program is teetering on the edge of calamity with scholarship roster numbers that could fall below 50 for spring football, and many of those 50 will be former walk-ons who have been awarded scholarships. The losses within the ranks of players signed in recruiting classes is becoming epic, and the dropping numbers are being reflected on the field for this football program. And if Snyder does stay, those possible negative results will not only belong to the legendary coach, but the decision makers who let it happen will also own part of the responsibility for any damage done to the future of Kansas State football. That concludes this week's episode of the Powercat pregame podcast, and it also concludes the regular season for the Wildcats. If K-State wins this game at Iowa State, we will have a bowl game to preview for you, but if this is a loss, then the season is over and we will turn our attention at Go Powercat to basketball, and maybe more importantly, monitoring a possible coaching change for the K-State football program. For D. Scott Fritch and Riley Gates and Marcus Watts, I am Tim Fitzgerald. It's the Kansas State Wildcats at the Iowa State Cyclones kicking off at 6 p.m. at Jack Dry Stadium in Ames, Iowa. You've been listening to the Power Camp pregame podcast presented by Robbins Motor Company. The PowerCat pregame podcast, all rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.